Amen, amen. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Praise the Lord. Jessica, good to see you. How you feeling? Doing good? Been praying for you. Got to get you all better. Yes, amen, amen. What a champion thing you have done. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I'm um, really, really excited that you're with us this morning. At New- Happy Father's Day to all the dads. Those of you that this is a difficult day for you, maybe you uh, lost your father, or maybe you didn't have the father that you had hoped that you would have. We acknowledge you, and we recognize you, we love you, and uh, we are so grateful that you have a heavenly father uh, that wants to be your Abba Father, your Daddy God. Before we go any further in the gathering, let me just do uh, two quick things. Number one, thank you. On Friday evening, I walked in here. My wife deceived me and lied to me. And so on Friday evening, walked in here thinking that we were uh, picking up some tickets, which would not have been abnormal because my wife doesn't do computers. And so I assume we were picking up tickets that Brian had printed and he left them in the sound booth, which also wouldn't be abnormal for Brian to have left something in the sound booth. And so I assume we were doing that. And I pulled into the church. There was not a car in the parking lot. I didn't even think anything of it. Keely's like, hey, I'm going to run and get that. Would you come with me? It's a little freaky to go in there by myself, and that's also not unusual. So I came in here to turn the lights on, and I had my first kind of level one heart attack because because when I walked in, the room was just full of people, and I thank you so much, those of you that could be here, and those of you that couldn't, I know you were here in spirit, but thank you for that. First, first surprise birthday party I've ever had in my life that I, can, that I can remember, so it was a wonderful time, 50 years old, so I'm one-third of the way through my life at this point, and I've got a lot, a lot of living to do, so I'm excited about it. Praise God. Thank you for your cards and your kindness. It just overwhelms me, the love that this church has, and uh, thank you. On Wednesday is a very serious day. And little Destiny is going to have surgery on when, where's, where's Peter at? I know he, there's right in front of me. Um, on Wednesday, your little granddaughter is going to have surgery on, on her skull again. And this is a very extensive surgery. And uh, we are going to pray right now. That God, and, and she is, is she four? Is that right? She was four when she had the accident, but now she's to be seven. She's, good heavens, where did the years go? <laughs> She'll be seven years old, so we got to pray for a little destiny. This is a major surgery, and so would you join me? Online, would you join me in praying for this little young lady? Father, in the name of Jesus, we invoke your healing power. We thank you, Lord, that when God's people agree as touching any one thing that you promised it shall be done, we thank you that where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are right there in their midst. We thank you, God, that we can trust and we can have confidence, not in the doctors, although we're grateful for their skills and talents and training, but we have faith and confidence in the great doctor, in the great physician, Jesus Christ, to do what you promised you would do. So, Lord, we pray that through this surgery, she would be healed and made whole, that you'd lead and guide everybody involved, that you'd give confidence, faith, and favor to the family, and you'd be with little destiny as she goes in. God, I thank you in advance for the miracle that's going to come through this, and we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Believe in for a miracle. Speaking of miracles, that's what we're talking about, is miracles. Now, here's the deal. We don't want that bacon uh, going, uh, being wasted. So you may have an opportunity after the message to go grab some bacon and stuff. But if you want to, you're not going to offend me, get a plate of bacon. I already had a plate of bacon earlier. Probably grab some on the way out and get some in Modesto, too. I, just, I, can't, I couldn't possibly hurt the people's feelings who prepared the, the bacon. I believe, Matt, did you make the bacon? Matt, thanks for making the bacon. You've never had bacon until you've had Matt's bacon. It is, every family vacation, 
everybody votes, and every time Matt makes the bacon for everybody, it's just a, it's a it's a candied yum yum fest, is what it is. And so we're so grateful for Matt in preparing that, and all the servers and the workers. And this looks absolutely amazing. Who wouldn't want to get a picture taken at, at that today? That is, Johnny did that. Wow, 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 wow. That's fantastic, beautiful. What is a miracle? I want to get started right away. Those of you joining us online, make sure you got your Bibles ready to go. We're going to learn today about miracles. So what is a miracle? Let's talk about what it is, first of all. A miracle is very simply when the God of heaven intervenes on earth. When the God of heaven intervenes on earth. It's when our all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God intervenes with your life. That is called a miracle when God intervenes. And I believe we serve a miracle-working, miracle-making God. Can somebody say amen? Man, I'm looking out at just like three people right now, and I'm looking out and I'm seeing Edwin and Arlene, and, and, and I'm seeing you two guys, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing Jeremy, all three of which, if it wasn't for the miraculous hand of Almighty God, we would have had three funerals this year. But God came through in a miraculous way and healed your body and delivered you when you were given very little hope. I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. Outside of a changed life in Jesus, that is by far the greatest miracle there is. But outside of a changed life in Jesus, there are really four categories of miracles that we discover in the Bible. There's the miracle, the miracles of healing. That's when God heals your body physically. Does he do it every time? We talked about that. The answer is no. But God does heal. We also know that we have miracles of protection. And last week we talked about how God protects us even when we don't know that he protects us he is there with us. And this week, we're talking about the miracle of deliverance. And you on Father's Day going, well, that's kind of loaded. Isn't that kind of loaded? You're talking about we need to be delivered on Father's Day. I'm going to explain to you a little bit more about that, what this means. And then next week, we're concluding this time, we're talking about the fourth category, how God provides for us. How many of y'all been provided for miraculously by God in your life? He's just provided for you. Well, we're going to talk about how God continuously provides for his children. But today we're talking about the miracle of deliverance. What exactly is deliverance? Some of you might be thinking right now, this is going to get a little weird. Um, you might think that it is during, but it's not weird. This is absolutely normal stuff that we're talking about. If we were to frame the world as a whole, not just as what is seen, but is what is unseen. And so we're going to talk about the miracles of deliverance. What does that mean? When God does a miracle over the powers of darkness and the demonic realm. That's what we're going to talk about for the next 30 minutes today. So buckle up. Here we go. This is Father's Day. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, as I prepared this message, and I saw there couldn't be a better topic to talk about because God has put dads as the priests of their home, not to lord over your family, your power, but to be the one who oversees as an umbrella in a protective way your household and your family in a supernatural manner. And so we need to pray for deliverance, that God would deliver us from this present darkness, whatever that is that you're experiencing in your life right now. The greatest trick, I've said this before and I'll say it till I, till I die, the greatest trick that the devil has ever played is to try to convince mankind that he does not exist. The greatest trick that the enemy ever played is to try to convince you and me that he doesn't exist. Christianity is not a playground. Christianity is a battleground. 
There is a natural world that we see, but that is not all there is. There is also a spiritual world, and Paul clearly tells us that we are not fighting against flesh and blood. In other words, that mean boss or that annoying Uncle Eddie that you have or a relative that just grates on you or the person that argues with you continuously on social media, on Facebook or, or Instagram or Twitter, those, they are not the real enemy. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil that are found in heavenly realms. So we're dealing with the forces of darkness. Um, I, I think sometimes we get hung up on a word. And I think when we look at that scripture, we see the word authorities. Um, and we, 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 sometimes people, I've talked to a lot of folks, and they, they take that word authorities to mean the man, whoever the man is, your boss or, or the government. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about spiritual forces, forces of darkness, talking about demonic forces in this world. And when it comes to the evil realm, when it comes to demons... I really think that there are two mistakes that we make. The first mistake is we overemphasize demonic influence in our lives. Where somebody says there's a demon under every rock. Or we're blaming the devil for everything in our lives. Let me tell you, um, I'm broke because of the devil. No, no, that's not totally true. You're broke because you bought three outfits this week, a brand new pair of shoes, a new iPhone, you have too expensive of a car, and you went to the beach for vacation when you had no money. You're broke because you were a fool. You're not broke because of the devil. Um, no matter what people say, contrary to what you might tell yourself, the devil did not make you eat the whole package of Oreos. I'm just going to throw that out there, right? Right? I know. I'm pointing at meat. I get it, right? That we did that. That's our fault. In, in some places, we overemphasize the demonic realm. And I was being a little tongue-in-cheek, but there are places that really overemphasize that realm. But, but I think we also underemphasize demonic influence. I would argue that more problems than we realize are caused by the forces of darkness. If we want to understand how God miraculously works over the powers of darkness in our lives, then we have to understand what are the rules, what, what are the positions, what, what, what roles do demons play in our lives? So what do they do? That's a good question. What do demons do? Three thoughts. Really, there are a lot more than this, but these are the three main areas or the three main things that demons do. The first thing they do is demons tempt you to sin. They tempt you to sin. Paul was coaching his young protege by the name of Timothy teaching him how to pastor people, teaching him how to shepherd people. And he told this, this to him in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses, and get this, and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. 
Paul is teaching Timothy that the people that you're going to pastor are oftentimes going to be taken captive by the enemy to do his will. And they need to escape that captivity. The devil will try to set us up, to tempt us, to take us away from God. And Paul said, you'll escape the trap of the devil who has taken you captive to do his will. So the question is, how does this trapping work? How do we get trapped by demonic forces? It might be a little freaky to think about it, but it's still true. Sometimes, I believe, not sometimes, somehow, demons communicate to us. Now, let me make something very, very clear. Light and dark cannot coexist. We'll talk about that toward the end of the message. Because light and dark cannot coexist, if you are a child of God, if you've been grafted into the vine, if you belong to Jesus, if you've invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you're not perfect and you never will be, but that darkness cannot overtake you. That means you cannot be possessed of a demon, of the devil, if you're saved. But you can be oppressed. And what do I mean by oppressed? Think of it as an octopus that wraps its ugly tentacles around you and squeezes you. It's coming from the outside in, where possession comes from the inside out. And so this, this oppression that you sometimes, this heaviness that you sometimes feel, this hopelessness that you sometimes feel, that is most of the time demonic oppression in your life. Maybe not even brought on by the enemy, but accentuated by the enemy in your life. And they'll whisper to you while they're wrapping their tentacles around you, go ahead, you deserve it. Go ahead, touch it, watch it, smoke it. I don't know if they really sound like this, but I kind of feel like it in my mind, right? Shoot it, whatever it is. And, and here's what I know. Satan and his evil minions will try to minimize sin on the front end. In other words, hey, everybody does it. It's not that big of a deal. No, it's nobody's business what you do with your free time, how you live your life. You're not hurting anybody. You can do this. They minimize sin on the front end. And then when you do sin, they no longer minimize it, but the same demonic forces will then maximize it on the back end. See why God doesn't love you? See why your life is a wreck? God could never use you. You've ruined your life. So the first thing the demons do is they tempt you to sin, and every one of us is in the middle of that. But the second thing they do is demons distract you from the will of God. Man, I'm, I feel like I'm, it's, it's a, I could be a gifted communicator in some ways. And I'm, if I'm going to confess something to you, I've been guilty of doing this before, even sometimes without thinking about it. But when I feel like I'm cornered or trapped, you ever distracted somebody from the subject at hand by bringing up something else so we don't have to deal with the elephant in the room? Does anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, you know what? You look really pretty today. Well, thank you. For... And now we're off. Does that make sense? Now, that's a really weird one, but we do it. Everybody does it, but the devil does it really, really well. Uh, Paul once again told his young protege Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, and we're living in latter times, 
Some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. You know what that, that tells me is demons are teachers. And you can't be a teacher if you don't have influence, and you can't have influence if you don't have a voice, and you can't have a voice if you don't have ears that are listening. And so demons distract us from the will of God. Some of you know somebody like this. Others of you are somebody like this. And I say that with great love. But maybe you used to be. There was a time in your life where you were walking with God. I mean, you really felt strongly connected to the Lord. And then somehow, some deceiving spirits slithered their way into your life and led you away from the purity of the gospel into all sorts of false doctrines. For example, there's a false belief or doctrine that says, you know, that um, all roads lead to God. That's, um, there is a theological term for that called hogwash, right? It's not true. It's a lie. Um, but demons will try to get you to understand that you, know, it, it, you can take what works for you and it's okay with God. You can take a little bit of Christianity and a little bit of Buddhism and, and a little bit of, of New Age and a little bit of witchcraft if you want to because it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere with your belief. And then suddenly, suddenly, someone who may have had a pure faith in Jesus Christ is distracted and they're, they're enticed away because of the demonic voices and the things that are taught by demons. Listen, if we've ever lived in a culture in a time where this is happening in high gear, it is right now. What just a couple generations ago was an abomination, um, uh, later on became uh, permissible. Now it's not just permissible, but that very sin is promoted. It is adored. It is celebrated. We're going to give all sorts of glamour and attention to it. I'm telling you, this is a plot of the evil forces. And I'm not coming against people because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But there is an agenda against you and against your family. Demons will tempt you to sin, I said, number one. And demons will distract you from God's will, I said, number two. And then number three, demons will inflict suffering into your life. There's a tragic story. It's a very sad story about a father. I read it a few weeks ago to you, and I want to go back to it. It's about a father and a son, and the son is physically afflicted by demonic forces. In Matthew chapter 17, I want to read verses 14 through 18. Keep in mind, sometimes I read different words from my Bible. It's because I have the, I have the same translation we put on the screen, but I have the older version of it. I've had it my whole ministry, and I'm going to keep my Bible because I like my Bible, so you just got to, got to kind of roll with it. Matthew chapter 17, verse number 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. You fathers in the house, listen to what this dad did. It says, when, the, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus. He was unashamed. He didn't care about what was going on in his life. He didn't care about the crowd that was all around. But the Bible says he approached Jesus and he fell to his knees before the Lord. Because in my opinion, he's a good daddy. But what happens next? Lord, have mercy, not on me, but have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. 
I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. I'm going to take a sidebar for a second. So I'm breaking away from my notes, those of you that follow along in the tech team. Listen, what I know from this story is this father believes what he just said. Have mercy on me. My boy is sick. He has seizures. Then the seizures call him to fall into, cause him to fall into the fire or fall into the water. This dad believes that all his boy has are seizures. And Jesus, Jesus has great compassion on him and, and pats him on the head and strokes his cheek and says, Daddy, you're such a good man of faith and I'm going to heal. That is not what Jesus does. I would say Jesus gets triggered at this point. Let's, 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 let's go on in this story. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Oh, you got to get the intensity of the moment. What's happening in the story. Jesus was focusing not on the fact that the boy was sick, but the fact that the disciples could do nothing about it. Now he's ticked off. Bring the boy. To, you know what this is? This is an object lesson that's fixing to happen right in front of us at this point. Bring the boy here to me. It says in verse number 18, Jesus rebuked the demon. And the man never said nothing about a demon. He said his boy had seizures. He said his boy fell into the fire. His boy was falling into the water. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. This demon was inflicting great suffering upon this boy, and at the very word of Jesus, miraculously, the boy was delivered from his suffering. Listen. One of the greatest things that we as fathers can do, and some of you as future fathers can do, by the way, fatherhood, let me, let me speak to this from somebody that has an empty nest now. Fatherhood doesn't end when they graduate from high school. It doesn't end. It doesn't end when they move out of the house. It doesn't end when they get married. It doesn't even end when they have their own babies, right? You're still a father. You're still a parent. You still take authority. You still plead the blood of Jesus. You still stand in the gap. You still lift them up. You still elevate them before the king of all kings. At Father's Day, the best thing you can do is you can take your kids to Jesus. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come? Well, the Bible tells us we know that Jesus came to give us life and to give, his life, to give us life more abundantly. It says that he came to set the captors free. He did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We know that Jesus came not for those who were healthy. The Bible says Jesus came for the sick. He came for the sinners. Jesus came to set people free. Somebody say amen. Can you say amen so they can hear you online? He came to set people free, didn't he? Yes, that's what he did. So what is Satan's mission if that's what Jesus came? It's the opposite of it. It's very clear. John chapter 10, verse number 10, his mission is to steal and kill and destroy. That's what the prince of darkness is all about. So what does he want to do? Satan will try to inflict injury upon you. He will try to inflict pain upon you. He will try to inflict all kinds of suffering upon you. Demons influence depression. They influence suicidal thoughts. You ever been thinking to yourself, man, if I just drove off this road into that telephone pole or off that, listen, that's demonic voices speaking to you. And the very fact that you're here means that you overcame that. Don't succumb to those voices. 
Feelings of desperation, they want to destroy your marriage, they want to ruin your testimony, they want to wreck your finances, they want to steal your joys, they want to, they want to uh, obliterate your health. Demons want to crush your children. It's not a game. There are forces of darkness that hate God and Satan's mission through every demonic spirit is to hurt what matters to the heart of God and nothing matters more to the heart of God than you. Nothing matters more to the heart of God than you, than human beings. Y'all creeped out yet? I hope not because what do we do when we recognize that we're in the middle of a spiritual Battle. Should we be afraid? Should we be on guard? Let me give you one big thought. And this, by the way, is for people who know Jesus. No, I'm not, listen, to know Jesus, what is that? Let me qualify. You don't have to go through a series of classes. You don't have to attend church for a certain amount of time. You, you, don't, you don't have to even be baptized to know Jesus. You simply have to say, I know I'm a sinner and I fail. And I ask you to forgive me of all my failures. Come into my heart, change my life. From this moment on, I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. I may not even fully believe it all at this point, but help my unbelief. You pray a simple prayer like that and you are a follower of Jesus. And I'm talking to followers of Jesus right now. So don't misunderstand if you're not yet. This is for those of you that have been transformed by the grace of Jesus. If you're in Christ, if you're filled with his spirit, you need to understand this. You have miraculous authority over darkness in the name of Jesus. I will say it again. You have miraculous authority over darkness in the name of... I've got to call my pastor. No, you don't. You have authority, miraculous authority over the powers of darkness because you're a blood-bought child of the king grafted into the vine. You belong to Jesus, bought with a great price. He paid his price. He paid his life. He gave it all as a ransom for your soul. If you were the only one, he still would have done it. We're not fighting with our power, but we're fighting with the power of Christ. Let me show you Matthew chapter 10, verse number one. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. By the way, think of this. Jesus called the church together. He's calling us all together. Huddle up family of God around the world. So it's a, it's a message to us. And he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every, sickness, every disease and sickness. How do I know this? Because the great commission that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, recorded in other gospels, says, um, go, um, I, I, I'm commissioning you, I'm sending you out. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. He gave us authority in that commission the authority is that, let me explain to you what this, what this means. Unpack it for just a second. Imagine for just a second that I am a police officer, okay? So this isn't actually a police officer badge, but it is a, just as good, it's a security officer badge. So I'm, so it's just, but it's a badge, all right? So let's pretend I'm a police officer for a second, right? Um, and you are driver, somebody's driving an 18-wheeler, a uh, semi-truck, right? You're out there driving, Robin, and, a, and a police officer steps out there and they, stop! Here's the deal. Does the police officer have does the police officer have the power to stop that 18-wheeler? The answer is no. I would be a smudge on the road, right? Just a just a little speed bump as you go by because I have no power to stop something with such great force. You have no power to stop the devil. You don't have any power to stop the devil. It's a great force. But 
the police officer can stand before that 18-wheeler with confidence and saying, halt in the name of the law because he or she is wearing a badge. And the 18-wheeler is going to screech to a halt not because the police officer has the power but because the police officer has the authority. And you see, if the 18-wheeler doesn't stop uh, while the police officer might be injured, um, that truck driver has a higher authority that he's going to need or she's going to need to answer to. It's not a perfect illustration, but it's a good illustration for us today. I want you to understand that um, you have no power, but you have all the authority. Jesus said, I give you authority. Even though in my own life, I don't have the power to defeat the darkness. I have authority to declare the name that is above every other name, the name that has the power over darkness, the name of Jesus. And if you are in Christ, you have the authority over darkness in the mighty name of Jesus. You have that authority. You do. The veil has been torn. You have divinely given, been given free access to Jesus, to God. You have the authority according to his word, according to his spirit. You possess that authority. Take it. Use it. As long as you're in line with God's word and God's will. This kind of stuff's happened to me a lot over my life, not just ministry, but over my life. Since I got saved, I really believe it, and it feels like I can see things that I couldn't see before. And I think everybody can, as long as we pay attention. I was preaching at a youth camp one time, a long time ago, and there were a lot of, a lot of teens that were there. It was the last night of this youth camp. A lot of things had been happening, um, and it was kind of an exciting camp. But I remember this one young man, as I'm preaching at this youth camp, stood up in the, toward the, it was the last night, the last night of youth camp or teen camp or epic camps, just so you know if you're ever praying for your kids or grandkids or for the church kids, that's the night of just a power encounter with God. That's the time that we've been, we're just, we're all in. And so I'm preaching with everything I've got, and this young man stands up, and he says, I think I was praying at the time, and he's like, stop praying. I'm like, well, we have ushers trained for this. So I kind of do one of these things, and the ushers come, and they start to take him out, going to talk to him, probably discipline him a little bit. And then he turns to me when he's almost out the back door, and he says something that I will not repeat, which caused my eyebrow to go up. Not because I'm triggered, because I'm like, oh, we can't let him get away with this. And when I say him, I'm not talking about the boy. And I told the ushers, I need you to stop. And I motioned at the worship uh, leader to come up and sing a song. And I remember walking down over, over across, uh, uh, across the auditorium. And I remember going down over to the side. And the young man was like right in this position right here. And the ushers still kind of got him. And he's still squirrely. So the worship leader did a really good job of turning up the music and jamming. And teams don't have a problem with that. And I remember laying my hand upon his shoulder and just saying, in the name of Jesus, come out of this young man. I didn't scream which I'm kind of known for, right? Passion, you know. I didn't do that. I just said it in the name of Jesus. Come and what happened next shocked me just a little bit. Um, he fell down to the ground, looked like he was having a seizure, like you might see maybe, I suppose, on a TV program. And one of the ushers, the, one of the youth sponsors, the adults that were there said, should we call 911? I said, no, 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 just give it a minute. And, you know, some of the kids are looking, but they kept the music really loud, so the focus is kind of up front. 
And a few seconds later, the, his eyes just kind of opened and he looked at me and he was, he was not the same young man that he was before. Wow. He was tired. He was, I mean, he was exhausted, started to cry. He was foul before that. And, and uh, we told him, you know, get him something to drink, uh, get some food in his belly. And we just moved on with the service. I got to tell you, these things happen. They've happened several times um, uh, throughout, throughout our ministry. Hmm. We have the authority, but we don't have the power. Jesus has the power, and he's given us authority. And we have the authority to say, that's enough. You have the authority in your house to say, that's enough. You have the authority at your workplace to say that's enough. Now, you don't want to go into your boss's office and slam open the door and be like, that's enough, come out of him. <laughs> be looking for another job, right? But you have the authority in the name of Jesus to, to say that's enough to the spirit realm. And let's be honest, uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but this can seem a little weird, can't it? This can seem a little, right, a little strange. I, I, I get it. Because what we're trying to do is just get through the freaking day, aren't we? I mean, we just want to get the dishes done. We just want to get the bills paid. We like to be able to get the kids down to bed and have them actually go. I'm trying not to kill my kids, Pastor. They're like drunk squirrels. They're holding me hostage in my own house, right? You feel that way. We're just, <laughs> we're just trying to get through the day. I got work that needs to be done. I just want to get through. And what we often don't recognize is there are spiritual forces of darkness that are trying to inflict division between you and your spouse. And they're working overtime to do it. And too often we don't even see it. We take the bait of Satan. We fall into the trap, the web of deception. We, there are forces of darkness that are trying to not just damage, but trying to destroy your children. Suicidal thoughts, self-destructive behavior, if not doing it, tempted to start cutting or whatever it is, uncontrolled rage and anger, and on and on. There are forces of darkness that want you to be dependent upon something, something that will soothe your pain. Maybe it's a chemical, maybe it's an alcohol, maybe it's a lustful image, whatever it is that will get you through your day. So really, ultimately, you'll be a prisoner to something. What do we do? What do we do when we recognize that we're in a spiritual battle? Here's something you can take to the bank. You ready for this? Put it on the screen, please. Do what is wise and Pray for the supernatural intervention of our miracle-working God. Do what is wise and pray. Do what is wise and pray. Use this in every area of your life. Let me give you some examples. If you're battling anxiety in your life, maybe you're having some panic attacks or on the verge of that. You're not alone. I recommend you go to a great doctor and you pray in the name that is above every name. You invite the power of Jesus to help bring you healing and freedom. If you've got this emotional suffering that you're going through, this distress that you're experiencing, maybe someone mistreated you or somebody abused you, someone harmed you, 
I highly recommend that you talk to a good Christian counselor. We happen to have one on our team. And, because that good Christian counselor can, can guide you toward healing, but and pray for any type of deliverance from demonic forces because those demonic forces are doing all they can to keep you in your bondage. If you've got a child that's being rebellious, I recommend that you be wise and you take their phone, man. They're not going to die. Well, I could never get a hold of my kid. They can send a smoke signal up if they need to. You had to do that when you were a kid, but they, they're not going to die. Take their phone. Take their phone, right? Take away their privileges. Take away their bedroom. Flipping door if you need to. Take it all. You dial in their... Well, they've got friends, and you know what? I don't want to... Stop it. You dial out that friend that's not good for them. And you dial in friends that are good for them. How can I do that? <laughs> Why don't you come talk to somebody? We'll help you with that, right? That you're constantly in this, in this like radio dial thing with your kids. Oh, we've got to dial that one in. Oh, we're not available for that. Oh, we're really available for this. You, you're in charge of your household. You do what is wise. And pray for divine protection against spiritual lies that are bombarding your children on a daily basis. You do them both. You're battling with a alcohol you get into a 12-step program that's wise and and you call on the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ for intervention and and warfare you do what's wise and you pray for God's supernatural intervention when Jesus rose from the dead the Bible says he defeated darkness what is darkness Darkness is not the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of light. There is no light there. How do we know that? Because even the smallest of light will dispel the darkness. Jesus says, I am, one of his I am statements, I am the light of the world. If you're in Christ, if Jesus dwells in you, John chapter 1, verse number 5, reminds us that the light of Jesus dwells in you. The light, Jesus, shines in the darkness. What is the darkness? It is the world under Satan's influence. And it says the darkness will never overtake it. The darkness will never extinguish the light. Listen to me. Anytime there is spiritual darkness and you walk into the room, light walks into the room with you because you belong to God. You're a child of the King. Light is in you because of the light of life, Jesus Christ. And light always defeats the darkness. And if you are in Christ, you have the authority over darkness. That's enough in Jesus name so here's what I double dog dare you here's what I challenge you to do take the authority I take authority over all of the forces of darkness trying to steal my children and entice my kids away from the faith and I bind up every demonic force that is attacking my marriage in the name of Jesus Christ you take the authority you don't have the power but you have the authority of the one who possesses all the power. You do what is wise, and you invoke the supernatural power of God. Let me remind you what Ephesians tells us in Ephesians 
chapter 6. We read it a little while ago, but we're going to read the rest of it as well. Beginning at verse number 12. For our struggle, what is our struggle? Struggle, it's a Greek word, it means hand-to-hand combat. Our fight. Our struggle, our struggle is, is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers, this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms, the demonic forces. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, not so that if the day of evil comes, but when the day of evil comes, and some of y'all been through the day of evil, there might be another day of evil coming, and another day of evil coming. When the day of evil comes, and it, it will come, Don't be afraid. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. At the center of everything is the truth found in God's word. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. It's not your righteousness. It's his righteousness in you that covers you. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You ought to be willing to go. Be willing to make reconciliation with people. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil. And every attack that comes against you, you can distinguish it, extinguish it, excuse me, with your faith. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Let me tell you this. I declare right now, after the battle is over, you will not be defeated. When the battle is over, you won't be defeated. You'll be victorious. You'll rise triumphant. Out of the ashes you will rise. And it may not feel like it right now, but thank God Almighty, we don't walk by our feelings. We walk by the facts found in His holy, unadulterated Word. After the battle, you will not be defeated because greater is He who is in you than he who is in this old world. I want to remind you, as I've reminded you before, you are not fighting for victory. You are fighting from victory. You already have the victory. It's already been bought. The price has already been paid. Redemption has already been given. You are fighting from victory. If you are in Christ, you have authority over darkness in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we ask you today that you would do miracles as your church rises up, God, and recognizes that we're in a spiritual battle. Lord, would you give us faith, mighty Jesus, to be light in the middle of of the darkness with your heads bowed and your eyes closed there are those of you today I believe that are here that you're hurting there's pain in your life there's challenges that you're experiencing that seem overwhelming to you and you want to have the faith to use the authority of the name of Jesus you recognize you need his power you need his light to help you overcome some trial or some darkness you're experiencing in your life. You need a miracle in your life. Or you know somebody in your family or a neighbor, a friend that needs a miracle and you're willing to stand in the gap for them today. But you need the miraculous power, a miraculous touch from God. You need him to increase your faith, to trust that he possesses the power but reminding you that you have the authority over this dark world. If that's you today, if you recognize this and you've been struggling, you're not alone. And see, the the number one thing the devil wants to try to convince you of is that he doesn't exist. So there's 
so many thoughts going through your mind right now that yeah well whatever this really isn't but you know you're feeling this oppression and this pain and this hurt and you need God to help you I don't know any other solution there is no other prescription for the pain that you're dealing with than to bring it to God let him open your eyes and strengthen you and renew you and refresh you so I'm gonna count to three and if that's you today whether it's for yourself or for someone else we won't ask you we won't embarrass you we wouldn't do that for all the money in the world but we also won't leave you the way we you are we want to help you through one two are you ready let's get victory today three put your hand up right where it's at wherever you're at right now put that hand up everywhere if you're feeling that from god uh, for and you want god to help you if you're feeling that from the enemy and you want god to help you your hands are lifted leave it up leave it up that is your that is your uh, that's the flag on the side of the mailbox and it's telling the mailbox uh, mail carrier that listen there's something inside of me that needs to leave me and it needs to be delivered to somebody else and I want this thing taken out of me whatever it is maybe it's unbelief or maybe it's pain or maybe it's affliction but God would you deliver me would you help me would you strengthen me and here's what we're gonna do I've asked the worship team to come and I've asked them to lead us in a time of, of singing for just a moment or two and if you lifted your hands, there's a reason why we dimmed all the lights. Because we want you to feel comfortable. But I also want you to be courageous. If you lifted your hand while this song is singing, while this song is playing, I'm going to challenge you to get out of your seat and come up here and allow our pastors to pray for you. A quick prayer, a prayer of blessing, but a prayer of much a prayer of victory over your life. So you can be free and encouraged, inspired, transformed, and renewed. That's what we want to give you today. That's our gift to you today, is the gift of prayer. Are you ready for this? Would everybody stand in the house today, right now? I know you're comfortable. Would you stand? And we're going to begin to worship the Lord in song for just a moment. And as we do, I want you to get out of your seat. You can come stand. You can kneel. You can do whatever you're comfortable with. Just come to the front and allow them to lay their hands on you and pray for you. No embarrassment. No, it's no, believe, believe it or not, Satan wants you to think everybody's looking at you, but everybody's not looking at you. This is you and Jesus in the house today. Are you ready for this? Would you come? Would you come? Let us pray for you. Let us pray for you. Somebody's got to set the stage. Let's go. Let us pray for you today. We're believing for victory in your life. And I hear your invitation to let it all go. And I see it now. I'm laying it down. And I know that I need you. Lean over to your neighbor. Say, if you want to go, I'll go with you. Would you do that? Be courageous. Lean over to your neighbor. If you want to go, I'll go with you. And then come on down to this altar and let's just pray today. Let's just pray today. Hallelujah. My soul needs a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, oh. When you saw my condition, you had a plan from the start. Your son. Redemption, the price for my 
wisdom to do what we can do and give us the faith to ask you for what we cannot do. Jesus, do miracles. God, we ask that you would bind up demonic temptations and distractions and suffering in Jesus' name. God, protect our minds from spiritual lies. Replace them with the truth of your word. And we thank you that greater is the risen Christ that dwells within us than he that is in the world. We thank you that we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead living inside of us. God, help us to step into the gift of authority that you have given to us. Not our power, but the power of your risen Son, Jesus Christ. God, may we fight not just naturally, but God, may we fight spiritually.